the you kind of like this guy, but when you can't decide between the filet o fish or the Big Mac, and he says, I'll get you both. Thank you. You definitely <laughs> like this guy meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Bald Move Television. We're the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And today we are like many Wednesdays. Uh, both in the past and into the future, talking about season three of The Deuce. This in particular is episode three. Normal is a lie. It's a fucking lie, Jim. Mm -hmm. Anyone trying to hold out normalcy out there, tool the devil. What do you think of this episode, Jim? Uh, It's just completely normal. That's probably the most damning thing I could say. Uh, No, it's it's great. Goddamn lying, Simon. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, The Deuce is always good. I find... Uh, a theme developing this season around the exploitation of women and the cashing in of men. Mm. Uh, there's a lot kind of going on there this episode that we'll talk about sort of in reference to like Lori and also Bobby and his kid. Like a lot of this stuff is is getting bad for the ladies out there. Yeah. After a hope there'd be a embrace of this this new normal. And uh, it's also potentially getting bad for Frankie. Yeah. Who is... <laughs> Up to his neck and shit right now. I I don't know whether Rudy is ready to write him off or or send him off. Yeah, like, every single time Rudy steps into the stage with <laughs> Frankie, I'm just going to assume there's going to be a snub nose coming out and there's uh-huh. going to be some bang bang. I'm not sure who it's going to be or which side. But I, I'm thinking it might be Tommy. Like Tommy might get it at this point. Really? Yeah. Wow. I I don't know, man. We'll talk about it when we get to those characters. But uh, yeah, it's a lot of interesting stuff happening around them. Yeah, I I uh, liked it too. It's there's um, there's a particular plot in this episode that made me piss blood and 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 just triggered the shit out of me, uh, which we will talk about when we get to. But uh, you know, even then, it's like uh, I didn't think it was unfair. It just it was just really pissed me off. Hmm. Shall we get into the, the discussion of the episode that I'm trying to do here? Yeah. Let's do uh, it. Hey, before we get into the episode, I want to talk about things going on here at baldmove.com. Of course, Cecily and I started our coverage of American Horror Story, the 1984 season, last week, and we'll be having a new episode every Friday corresponding with the Wednesday release of that show. Uh, Get your October started off spooky and right with AHS 1984, Cecily and Aaron edition. Hey, and then on the uh, Jim and Aaron side of the house, we had more Rick and Morty coverage. We were excited to talk to Alan fucking Seppenwall about Pickle Rick, therapy on television, and what he's hot for in the upcoming fall season. It was a really great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, check it out on Pickle Me This. Next week, we got Danielle Radford from Screen Junkies joining us to break down the Vindicators 3 episode. Very exciting. And as a reminder, we're doing all this uh, Rick and Morty stuff to lead up to the November premiere of season four that we're going to have weekly coverage of. So uh, everybody can get excited about that. Also, speaking of upcoming things, next week... We'll be sitting down to record our preview podcast for 2-Bit Encryption, our Mr. Robot podcast. If you'd like, send any pre-feedback you have to robot at baldmove.com, and we'll talk about it. Uh, We got no bald movie this week, but last week we had a double feature. Uh, Jim and I saw Ad Astra, the sprawling science fiction epic. And Cecily and I saw the Downton Abbey, Downton Abbey movie. The sprawling British epic. Sprawling British epic. It's, It's very complicated. Uh, but next week we'll be back with the Joker. So that'll be fun. Check it out on bald movies and be a club member. If you want this full spoiler take on all those at club.baldmove.com. That's what's happening here at baldmove.com. I'd like to start in the beginning with Lori. 
uh, starring in a mid-80s hair metal video, very reminiscent of Warren's Cherry Pie. You get a a, a good-looking woman uh, wiggling around on, yeah. or a ZZ Top video, or yeah, a Van or, yeah. Halen video, the mid-eighties hair metal, Def Leppard video, or yeah. ACDC. Yeah, I mean you can go on. Um, there's um, so so this apparently is Kiki's answer to getting her some straight gigs. Th- there was only one anal scene in this video, <laughs> <laughs> and there were no corn cobs, and it involved a roast beef sandwich. But it was only a six <laughs> right. inch, not the full foot long. Yeah, uh, that's Thanks, what Kiki. That's, yeah, that that again. Kiki came in and said, "My my client's not doing an inch over six. Um, I don't know. I there looks like there's something going on here. I thought that maybe uh, one of the the she'd be turned be turned into like a hair metal groupie, and she'd be exchanging kind of like one pimp in the form of uh, whatever her agent's name is to this guy. But it seems like this is kicking off a actual love of music." Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think Lori ends this season? I mean, she's got one chord down. She just needs two more, right. and she's a a perfectly serviceable musician. I I don't know. I don't know where that goes because it's like, I I mean, I guess you can put food on the table doing that. I, I just don't know what her, <laughs> because, you know, it looks like she's going down some bad places as far as, like, you know, getting involved, mixed up in drugs um mm-hmm. you know there's already been um people admonishing her to save up money for her retirement which she clearly is not doing and i don't think this uh porn studio investment is going to help with that nest egg at all uh, yeah i mean this is the theme that i was talking about with uh the the men cashing in the women being exploited right. like you know her boyfriend whatever this guy is comes to her and says hey we're gonna start a business you keep you keep taking it in the ass. I'm gonna right. run all the financials. Yeah, I'll handle. That's all a recipe the for getting fucked twice. Yes, it sure is. So I'm not, see how I'm many not sex sure, puns like, I can make. This so episode. what does a washed up porn star do with a couple of musical chords? Like it's it still seems yeah. like a, in in L A. It seems like a you know like a just just if she's just playing open mic night and maybe that's a nice release for her. But like mm-hmm. it feels like kind of a rock bottom place for her to to land. I don't know. I mean, I the music keep... videos might be good ish. For a while, I, I just keep thinking of that pathetic scene in Forrest Gump where Jenny tries to like do the folk singer routine at a oh. at a titty bar, and it just goes you know terrible. And I'm just like, oh, that feels like a triangulation of where the storyline is going. Yeah, I mean the the open mic night. She's clearly inspired, you know, by the words she hears, which are basically like, uh, he's your man. He's doing you wrong. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, she knows. Well, and I think it's it's. There's some interesting things going on here where they're showing like these women trying to push back against pretty common sense things like, okay, you've got people doing gay for pay uh, and they're having unprotected sex with men. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. a bunch of AIDS going around this particular uh, community. Uh, Make them wear a condom versus no one wants to see porn stars wearing condoms. Uh, which does does admittedly seem to be a thing, mm-hmm. um, and she's trading like artists, like you know her. She has an artistic complaint about her high school teacher not knowing George Washington, mm-hmm. and she trades that for the condom thing. Um, but then you got the the actress where things got a little out of hand. She got smacked in the face. She's bruised up, but her primary concern is to not tell the director because she doesn't think doesn't want to be labeled as not a team player. Yeah. And it really goes to show you how difficult it can be to, you know, because you know, porn obviously has a very checkered history and a lot of people like moralize about, you know, how the women are exploited and abused. 
And you can see how it's kind of hard to get to the bottom of this issue because, uh, you know, at least some of these women were conditioned to like, well, this is the job. And, you know, what one person, what, what seems like an obvious abuse and taking advantage of the situation is just, you know, business as usual for someone else. And mm-hmm. none of the agents want to get involved. And it's always probably the newcomers that are pushed the, but it's, it's this, I don't know because it is a it is a market, right? So you have newcomers that don't have any established credibility, willing to do anything in front of a camera to make a name for themselves and to get a little of that money yeah. that then pushes the market down for everybody else. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of really interesting things they're saying about like a capitalist economy in these episodes as well. Because what you said, like exploitation of the women, can easily be framed as an exploitation of just labor in general. Sure. Yeah. And it seems like they're leaning into that with like, you know, one of the uh, uh, one of the ladies is like quoting, it seems like Marxist propaganda or something <laughs> to Bobby and just going way over his toupee head. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other exploitation angle is the Bobby angle. Um, yeah. He's got these pagers. He's complaining about his kids out there uh, shortchanging the, the women um, at these parties by letting more men be invited who aren't paying, you know, the the women, they're paying Bobby and Joey and Frankie and uh, Black Frankie and all those guys, so. Yeah, and that's interesting, too, because it seems like Black Frankie's the one that's trying to stick up for the women, but to a point, Mm -hmm. because it's like all it takes is a little bit of a fig leaf for Joey saying, hey, you know, they get tips. (laughs) The girls work for tips. Uh Uh-huh. And I think that they're also hinting in that scene that, uh, you know, there's the potential for scary things to happen. It's not just like the girls are being overworked on the gangbang. It's also like the more guys, the more things got out of hand. Maybe you need two or three black Frankies to provide security for these women. And clearly yeah. they're, they're not getting it. Um, and all the pagers in the world <laughs> won't protect these women. Nope. Um, I going back to the Lori issue, uh, there's also evidence that, you know, Lori's well, not evidence. There's uh, yeah, I guess it is. It's it's she's getting back into drugs mm-hmm. and Kiki sees it and is worried. But Lori's like, hey, I got it all under control. Yeah. Famous last words. I'm sure when she finds out that her uh, agent has stolen, you know, thirty thousand dollars from her in the next six months, that that's not going <laughs> to cause a complete skid and out of control spiral. I'm sure that's going to be fine because like. I just, just, I just couldn't believe this guy's like, you know, uh, hey, you know what? We just need fifteen thousand to get started. We got a two thousand dollar a month burn rate. Like, let me handle all the details. To be fair, it looks like that these alarm bells are kind of going off in Lori's head, mm-hmm. um, but they should be just blaring. But he's saying everything that she wants to hear. Like, hey, this is the next step. You're established. You're a star. We'll found a studio. Then you can you can choose who you want to fuck, when you want to fuck, what you want to fuck. <laughs> yeah. And and in some ways, what other choice does she have? You know, the momentum is a powerful thing. And she's got a career doing what she's been doing. Uh, to change that is a very hard thing to do. And this is definitely the model. Like, you know, Candy yeah. slash Eileen laid it out. And we've, uh, you know, there's there's a handful of women I can think of who've gone on to be very successful pornographers in their own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, turning that, you know, corner from being a performer to a director to a producer. But it's really hard and you need a good head for business. And what you don't need is some douche and thousand dollar Italian loafers managing your money yeah. and, you know, lining in his own pockets. So mm-hmm. that will be interesting to see how this goes down. Um, 
I want to talk about kind of the corrupt money angle, the, the detec- Detective Chris here, okay. where we see I, I, this is actually seen had me completely rope a dope uh, until they they actually turned. But Chris, yeah, same here. Seen a psychiatrist. I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, he would. You know, he's a smart, thoughtful guy. He's trying to get help for some of the bullshit he's going through. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah, it also kind of came out of nowhere. Like I would have expected to hear something about his therapy before like seeing a scene of it or something yeah. if this was you know but, where they were actually going. But so, they also established this is the first visit. Reason. So I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, you know." Uh-huh. Um, so I thought this would be a good time to talk about uh rent-seeking behavior. Okay. Uh, do you I know this is something we talked about a couple times. It was featured in uh, this giant beast's global economy. Mm-hmm. Can you describe like rent seeking behavior and why it's bad? Maybe. So I, I think the basic idea is that somebody has a sort of monopoly on uh, a sector of the market and they basically provide base level, bottom of the barrel service. Uh, and upcharge on everything and and are able to continue doing that because of the position they hold within that market, right. not based on like the quality of their product or anything. Right. Um, it's a like in the broadest terms, it's wanting to extract wealth uh, without adding value. Exactly. Like, like the whole like, you know, capitalism one on one oh one is people get together and through their labor, they transform a raw material into a good and then. Uh, the the extra work that they did to transform that is co- compensated when you sell that thing on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, rent seeking is where you just have like a slum and you're making money off of it. And there's like like Chris says it here. It's like you're trying to get rich uh, by just sitting on your piece of the problem. Hope everybody else fixes it. Um, the problem is it seems like. This can be so. So Chris is like, you're a slumlord standing in the way of these virtual, these these virtuous big money real estate developers. But mm-hmm. I was see the real estate developers are trying to squeeze the city to solve this prop. Like this is a market fail. Like this guy knows his money, his 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 property is worth more. He mm-hmm. wants more out of it, but they don't want to pay for it. They want to give a fraction of that, and of course of like bribes and political influence to get their way. So it's like everyone's doing it yeah they want to pay for what it's worth now not what it's going to be worth when they uh, you know when this project comes to fruition right like i i can see both sides of it yeah you know the the therapist has i suppose every right to do what he's doing right because this guy's not not rich sell his property he wants to be rich Uh and this is the classic way to get rich yeah but the rich guys don't want him to he has leverage he has power in this situation right that's a problem for him. He needs to be writing checks to uh, the the Midtown Improvement Board instead of whatever you know, gangster. He's probably writing protection <laughs> money checks because yeah, that's that's the story of the day. He's just uh, I don't know what bigger stick they're going to get because that's the ominous thing. You know, mm-hmm. first so their first rolling tough on him is they expose this guy as a brothel owner and try to embarrass him on this on the set, but it <laughs> turns out it just emboldens the guy. He asks for sixty percent more. Uh, so now they're looking to get a bigger stick. How is Jack Maple's people going to be that bigger stick? I don't know. I mean, I, I assume like they got the info about this therapist through this quasi legal uh-huh. arrangement with the fire marshal. Right. I'm assuming they're, they're now amping up to go even more quasi legal. Isn't that crazy that like 
this started off um, pretty innocent, just kind of like, yeah. hey, we just want you to do your jobs. We're going to support you. Then it's like the first step of corruption is try to get the fire department to lean on these guys. And now it's like Chris doesn't even ask questions when you're going to step over to the next line. Yeah, he's pushing you in that direction. In fact, he gets mad when Jack Maple just points it out. It's like, you don't give a shit about this. This is all about the money. And and is it for Chris? I'd, that's a gr- that's I what I was about to ask. I, I kept expecting him in that scene to come back and say, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. No, I've been working these streets for 25 years. I, I'm doing this because these streets need to be cleaned up. There are people being hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no stake in this. Like... What is his stake? I think... He doesn't have any money wrapped up in this. He's not going to get anything. It it seems like that um, police want law and order, right? They want their jobs Uh to be easier, not harder. The deuce is a very hard part of their job. If this was a bunch of well... You know, if this was a bunch of well-moneyed people that are afraid of a losing thing, it's much easier to police them. And I think that's how a lot of times, you know... Cops who probably should be like, you know, one of the largest labor pools in the United States should be on the kind of side of like labor and the blue collar workers that they are themselves t- tend to, uh, at the end of the day, uh, withhold or uh, uphold property rights mm-hmm. and property owners' rights more than they do like common citizen. It's because they get caught in that tension. Yeah. You know, the, com- the blue collar workers not doing anything to make their jobs easier. Uh, the big money guys, the bulldozers and the cranes and the cement trucks do. So when they got to back aside, um, and he's probably staring down a promotion if, if he gets, you know, this, this whole problem taken care of, uh, which maybe is in his own self-interest. Well, and, and I think there's a certain logic to, uh, this is hell. This this thing with the drugs and the wolf packs and the women getting slapped around by the pimps and getting murdered by the Johns and if we prettied up and have it making money, it's all going to go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it never goes away. <laughs> right. Uh, that's that just moves. It's that's that's the the whole problem with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. There's also uh, I mean, if we want to talk about Jack Maple being uh, disgusting. The installment <laughs> this episode is I think him gargling Listerine and then spitting it back. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what he's doing, but it... That, that logic I, I checks really, out. It kills 99.9% of the germs, so once you're done, you just put it back in a bottle, and then yeah. I mean, you, you got you to gotta use that 100 times before there's even 1% of germs. <laughs> I mean, come on. That math absolutely checks out. Yep. Uh, but also, it looks like there's something between Chris and his officer, Preston. Yeah, yeah. He's clearly requesting her because they have a, a minor thing going on. And she's clearly checking him out as being not too old. Yeah, you're not so old. Yeah, there's there's some crackling happening here. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll see what it turns into. I'm, I'm curious to see what this bigger stick is because yeah. they're cops. They said 45th is about to take a turn for the worse. In in whose eyes? Mm-hmm. Like, are they gonna, if they're gonna be cracking down on like the pimps and the dealers and the prostitutes, then it's an odd way to say it's about to take a turn for the worse. I don't. Are know. Are they maybe. talking about the mob? Because I know there was like a lot of um, or maybe, mentions of, of that kind of stuff in the inside the episode. Maybe they're gonna push all the wolf packs to this area, so like nobody can do any kind of business, and it, so I, they can bust them all. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what this bigger stick, this bigger, meaner, uglier stick is going to look like in the turn, and like what you can do with law enforcement to do it. But uh, we'll, we'll find out. I'm sure. Uh, now let's talk about the plot that really shook me, which is Melissa slash Margaret's father coming to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, fuck this guy, like. 
I, uh-huh. if, 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 uh, this is not a mainstream opinion to have, this is clearly not the, you're not, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to take this away from this quote unquote heartwarming storyline, but as a person who's been disowned by his family for bullshit reasons and has had no share of a uh, small share of trauma and abuse in that background, the last thing I want is my fucking mother to come on my doorstep <laughs> because she's got her life in order yeah. and she wants to make up and is going to stake it out and like talk all this shit in public until i relent yeah this is the worst the 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 feeling i got while watching this is that he is not apologize not trying to apologize for her sake it's for his sake yeah he wants to feel better about what he did um about what the what the inside the episode described as her mother committing suicide right basically him driving his wife and her mother to suicide uh he he wants to come get some sort of uh penance for that and i or do some sort of penance for that. And I, I don't feel like he has earned it in this episode. And that's the thing. Like, I think there's a right way if you're an estranged parent to, you know, try to feel out your child about whether they're ready or open. But like this style, like maybe you write a letter, maybe you just stop by once and say, Hey, I just, just really want, I'm so glad to see you're, you're not, you're not dead. If you ever want to get in touch with me, here's how, and maybe you send him a letter once a year on her birthday or something. But like this fucking shit, I just couldn't believe this guy (laughs) has been the last time they talked is she was a teenager. So 14, 15, it was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And he's got this quote where he's like, uh, I've tried to walk away. I've written you off for 20 years, but it's been two days and I'm miserable. So open the fuck up. Like mm-hmm. I just, and then he goes on, he's just telling her, like catching her up on the family business. And he's talking about her nieces and nephews that she's never met. And he starts saying, you know, children forgive, they believe in you. <laughs> and I'm like, this is some self. I'm like, look again, this is not a mainstream view of the situation, but, and, and I, and you know, I love David Morse and he's a very compelling character actor and yeah. he seems like a dad wanting to do good, but this guy's a vicious drunk to the point that, uh, pushing his wife to commit suicide and pushing his daughter to go hooking in the streets mm-hmm. and all that we know that entails. Uh, I just can't believe that this, that anyone can see this as anything but, uh, emotional manipulation and abuse. Now, yeah. might be for good intentions, but that's exactly what he's doing. Uh-huh. He's manipulating the fuck out of her. And yeah. I thought her gay friend Vic was going to have her back, but nah. He goes and inserts himself and <laughs> like pushes them together. I was incandescent with rage throughout <laughs> most of these scenes. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it, never, it never felt right. It never felt like a father regretting what he's done and wanting to see his daughter succeed. It felt like a father regretting what he's done and wanting to feel better about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's classic. Like, I need to throw up all over you so I'll feel better. Yeah. You're covered in vomit now. And now, like, and the thing is, is like they've they've showed great stride. They, they take great pains to show that Melissa is pretty happy and stable right now. She's got a supportive uh-huh. fan friend group. She's in a pretty safe, stable situation. She's got enough money to take care of herself. Uh and this guy i don't know like i don't i don't know what he wants and even if what he wants is good and wholesome he's essentially forcing her to accept it yeah and like i just can't believe again the idea that this guy would camp outside your door for hours and just <laughs> monologue sure holy shit call the cops
I mean, maybe that's what he's thinking. Well, if she wants to be gone, I'll call. She'll call the cops. It's just like Jesus Christ. You're gonna so you're gonna make her call or the cops on her dad so yeah. you go away. No, just add on to the trauma. Huh? Right, sure. right. So I don't. I mean, I, I I got from the end of the episode or the the inside episode that this is kind of based on a true story, mm-hmm. somewhat, and clearly everyone thinks it's a good story to tell. I just, ugh, no way, man. <laughs> No way. I need to know a hell of a lot more about this guy and hell of a lot. But even if I did, it's like still, this is a violation. Mm-hmm. Want to take a little break now to talk about the club because that's how we pay the bills around here at club.baldmove.com. And in addition to just feeling good for keeping Bald Move afloat, and uh, I don't know about you, I feel pretty good about that. There's also some features that you get in return, such as Bald Movies. We are going through a murderer's row of Bald Movies right now. Uh, we just watched Ad Astra, and Cecily and I also did the Downton Abbey movie. Uh, next week, we've got The Joker, which is getting amazing reviews. Uh, we'll be seeing a Zombieland 2, a really good October, a really good late October uh, watch, it sounds like. And then when we get into uh, the, the the big, the high, high movie season, we got Ford versus Ferrari, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and Star Wars Episode Nine. Holy shit. How are we going to solve? How are we going to bring this trilogy in for a landing? It's a long subtitle, but they've <laughs> earned it. They've earned it after nine of these things. Uh, point is, if you want our spoiler-filled reviews of those, you got to be a club member. It's the only way to get it. Everybody gets our non-spoiler review, but that's essentially just us saying, "Yeah, we liked it," or "Yeah, we didn't like it," and talking about trailers. If you want to get the nitty-gritty, and on these movies, you're gonna, you got to be a club member. Club.baldmove.com. Not only you get that, you get ad-free access to. Uh, our feeds you also get vip access to forums a bevy of features that you can test drive at club.baldmove.com and hey sign up for 30 days risk-free at club.baldmove.com uh let us talk to paul about paul and todd okay um the i i can't quite keep track of the timeline it seems like we've jumped another six months or so doesn't it to you yeah, I mean, he's being worn out by this soap opera that he got offered last episode. Yeah, so. and that had to be some kind of like casting and yeah. you know trial, and now he's like he's actually doing the work, and they're mm-hmm. talking about like shooting scripts after scripts after scripts. So maybe he's and his regular makeup person is on vacation or sick or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah, and that blows up a spot because you know he's hiding the fact that he's really really sick from yeah. from everyone. It's not a confidant, and uh, you know his uh, makeup substitute makeup guy, you know goes in and covers for him which was really sweet um but then he just realizes that i just can't do this anymore i'm i'm ready to accept that i'm dying and i want to work us work on focus focus on work that matters yeah which makes me wonder when paul is going to tell todd i just can't do this anymore because mm-hmm. like the look on his face when you know he's he, he, it's clear that he wants to be supportive here and he is still mm-hmm. being very supportive but he also seems like he's nearing the end of his own rope as as far as how much he can give, I wonder because I I didn't get that. I got it more of like he's trying to be supportive, and what was supportive. But so he last episode urged him to be careful with his body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things where now Todd is taking a detour to like essentially do that thing, and I think Paul's kind of confused, kind of like, well, I thought we were trying to get you. But I, I think Todd just realized, like, why I'm doing a soap opera job for exposure. Why do you want exposure so you can do bigger mm. and better things? 
Um, but he's not going to be able to do that. But, but he's also not going to let off the throttle. I mean, he's talking not about like, I need to scale back and try and take care of myself. He's talking about, I need to do other work, different work that's more important, right? Hmm. That's going to leave might, a mark. Yeah, you might be right about that. That Paul's kind of like, he wants him to just take it easy and spend, you know, his the 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 little time he's got left with him with with Paul. Yeah, which is why I think he's happy to you know go out to the club and just hang out huh. and have a good night after when they're celebrating him quitting his job. Huh. Yeah, I'm. I still don't know exact. I'm. I still know exactly what Paul's feeling because it just seems like there's a lot of again. Just to f- this is all based on one look in one scene. Like right. And I was talking to Cecily about this after we watched the 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 show the other night of like. I think we all know someone or know someone who knows someone that's like had a, you know, a husband or a wife or a friend die unexpectedly at a very young age. You know, it's like everyone's probably familiar with like the 35 year old guy that got cancer or, you know, a 28 year old mother who got hit by a bus or something like that. But it's like, you know, again, it's like that what they do so skillfully is just to ask you to like empathetically consider the situation. It's like, you know, what if, a sizable percentage of your friend group for going through this. Yeah. Like, it's not just, you know, someone who knows someone it's like, you know, multiple people that are going through it and like how ex- above all the other emotions, like sad and grief stricken and enraging also just exhausting. It must be to be going through these cycles of grief all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I don't fuck. I don't know what's going through Paul and Todd's mind because I don't know what be going through my mind in this situation. Yeah, luckily I've never had to deal with something that serious. Yeah, um, but yeah, they're both both willing to uh, forget their troubles by going out for dinner and dancing. And I was delighted to find out that the friend that they are meeting for dinner and dancing is actually Abby. Yeah, which is a cool little intersection. So, so this intersection is the most confusing thing about this episode. To me. Oh yeah, I don't understand what exactly they're getting at with Abby, other than something they've been getting at all along, which is Vincent and her are very different and their mm-hmm. lives might be drifting apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they're somehow still very entangled. A- and also what the hell is going on with Todd not seeing them at the end? I, I, I'm i so very confused by it all. What do you mean? It, don't they disappear in that club at the end? Like they just drift off into the dance floor somewhere? I think Paul... I think Paul's just watch. No, I I, no, I clearly Todd's saw. I, I I was right. I clearly yeah. saw Paul still dancing because he's tall. You did? Make, yeah, yeah. I think it's just. I think I think okay. it's, it's it's he's just reflecting on how little time he has left. Yeah, and also like, yeah. um, it's probably a guilty feeling that you know Paul is still everything you were two years ago. He's he's young, mm-hmm. and he's vibrant, and he's got a lot of energy, and he's very successful, and to kind of realize that like. Are you going to not only are you going to die and devastate him, but you're going to be like a boat? I mean, there's got to be a lot of guilt, is what I'm getting at. Like, yeah, does he want to put Paul through this for the time he has left, or does he want to, yeah, either you know, end end his own life or this relationship or something yeah. to try and spare Paul? Yeah, um, I don't know, and I don't think that would actually spare him. Like, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's like sometimes it uh, the person. Sometimes the person going through the tribulation can like try to be like, because I think he's got nothing but noble intentions. Like every, yeah. like, and I don't know, again, I don't know if this is what they're trying to say, but like if Todd is thinking, you know what, every day that Paul spends with me dying is one day it's going to be longer for him to get back to being who Paul is, which is this, you know, vibrant and ambitious person. He's going out there and he's dancing and he's free and he's beautiful. Like, there's the idea that you want to protect someone from that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times that can get fucked up because, you know, people are not robots. Like also people are not that mercenary, you know, like it, we, we laud the ability for people to stand by people's sides when they go through the worst. And we kind of like denigrate people being like, oh, well, this is going to be a not fun dying of cancer AIDS. Well, fuck this. I'm out. So like it's, it's, it's a bummer situation for everybody Yeah, because it's probably really easy to feel like a, a object of pity if you're the person dying um, and have those kind of feelings of guilt and, and shame kind of get wrapped up in it. Yeah. But uh, I agree. I, what, what did you make of Abby's conversation that she has with Vincent where like, you know, she tells him she, she donated money to this murdered street artist cause um, and she asks him if you could do one thing for yourself, what it would be. And he has this whole story about his dad <laughs> and there's his second families and this photograph. Um, what did you make of it? I took that when Abby says, yeah, you kind of told me mm-hmm. you kind of answered my question. I took that to mean that she realizes he wants something else. And the something else is sort of nebulous. Something else is not, you know, specific to like, oh, I want a second house or family or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just he's not totally satisfied in what they've got going. It seemed. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a little bit of. um that Abby realizes that she's the fake family, that that Vince has got a family. He's got a, a wife that <laughs> yeah. wants to try things again with him. And he's yeah, got kids fair. that need him in his life. And like, you know, uh, like like if Vincent's kids is looking at this fake house on his nightstand, like she's the she's the uh, she's the fake family. Yeah. Um, and that he's like subconsciously wanting to have the Norman Rockwell experience that he's kind of, you mm-hmm. know, run away from these last 10, 15 years. That's how I took it. But okay. um, I don't know, like clearly there, this, this relationship's got to be at an end. Um, and I don't think it's going <laughs> to be. I've thought a- that for a season and a half now. So yeah. Yeah. Like he but- goes to the beach last season and I'm like, that's it. It's over. Yeah. He's met a, he's met a couple. He's sure, going to go have Vermont, some open yeah, the, marriage thing yeah, yeah. and live on the beach. And then nothing, another five years passes. That's what I'm saying. I do feel like that's, this is the one relationship that does feel like it's, it, uh, it's a leftover that's past its fridge date. Yeah. You know, that they, that, so. that probably could have been dealt with, but they, I, and I don't know why they needed to open the season it would have made perfect sense to me if they were still friends and business associates, but obviously not lovers anymore. Or it actually makes sense for me to, for them to introduce themselves as being kind of like there's some anger there because Abby has become ever more involved in causes and trying to do good things with her money, and Vince mm-hmm. is still like you know roaching it up in the deuce. So yeah, the comeback and they're still exactly in the same spot that they were five years ago. It's the, the the part of the plot that's aged the least well for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't about her about. Is there anything to say about her having a girlfriend? I don't know. No, I I think like I said at the be at the beginning of this episode, I feel like this is a little redundant. Like we've mm-hmm. been there before, you know. Yes, they're very different people. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're living different lives. Let's can we move on from that point? I felt like this was just sort of repetition of that. But maybe I'm wrong. I, this, like I said, this was the most confusing part of the episode. This and and Todd's thing at the end. Okay, I decided to take the Vince, Vincent and Frankie, the two brothers, as one kind of unit because they both huh. have fairly small but important plot points. Um, first up, Vincent offers Big Mike a new club to run. No, 
No. Okay. You turn this down instantly, Mike. Uh-huh. Instantly. Like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to get a piece. Rudy's going to get a piece, but it's going to be yours. Fuck no, it's not. Are you kidding me? That is not how mob-run shops work, man. Not only that, You, but... you can't quit this thing. Like, right. you're going to be given 15% of Rudy, uh, to Rudy, for, mm. for eternity mm-hmm. until this club becomes so unprofitable that you can't take 15%. And then they probably whack you because you fucked it up. Like, right. you're cutting off their supply. Like, no. No, you don't do this. Yeah. Stay far away, Mike. Especially since... I would have believed that it's Mike's time and it's his turn to get a little piece. Uh-huh. But like this is all the backdrop against Rudy like beating Vincent up to make more money. Like I think that Big Mike's just a warm body that they can <laughs> get another club going yeah. and keep Rudy's coffers full. Like this doesn't feel like a natural organic evolution of his business sense cuz like honestly, fucking Mike was ready last 5 years, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, that's the thing that makes it feel really ridiculous is the fact that I feel like this is just uh, this is a new franchise opportunity more than it is about giving Mike his due. Um, yeah. Then we also see like this is stuff that we already knew that Frankie is stepping on his product real bad, cutting it with children's shit powder. Apparently, why? Well, let me ask you that. Why put this uh, mannitol or whatever the hell it's called into Coke? It makes you, people shit themselves when you can just put club ba- soda, baking uh, soda, yeah, yeah. baking soda, uh, baking powder, sugar. Powdered sugar yeah. seems like is that does that make it too sweet and is it gives it away? Is it that's what it is? Maybe there have got to be a million white powders that are not going to make you shit yourself that you could cut this with. I don't because it's like it wouldn't be surprising if mannitol is like five cents cheaper than <laughs> but you know what's a dead soda. giveaway is not how sweet it is but how fast you shit your pants <laughs> after you do a hit of coke like uh well i mean maybe it's marketing if you get the you market the coke shits as like a sign of a superior product then it's like but it's it's the exact opposite and i i don't know what frankie's thinking here I, especially since like everyone is saying, dude, we are making money hand over fist. This is a good yeah. thing. There's no need to get cute. Mm-hmm. And his response is a couple more years of this. We'll be sipping champagne and Boca Raton. And Tommy Longo literally looks at him like he's insane. Yeah. Like how many old gangsters do you know that hang out at Boca Raton <laughs> sipping champagne, you asshole? Uh-huh. Like, that is fucking. I, I don't know. It's it. I I don't understand how Frankie is still this stupid well, because Frankie, I thought this season was the episode was explaining how he's like more mature and not stupid. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought so too. How he kind of stumbled into this sort of mm-hmm. uh, better deal than anybody else. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's what Frankie has on his mind right the idea that like this is all mine mm-hmm. rudy doesn't own any piece of this because uh, because i guess him and tommy were sort of going behind rudy's back yeah, with the this. Drug thing, yeah and now yeah, he's and rudy going found out. The thing on the porn angle yeah yeah so i think frankie thinks with that book of ton comment that he can you know just do his own thing uh-huh. for the next two years and right. then get out he's not yeah. a gangster right he's yeah. not tied in with this but yeah. he is when I he mean, brings tommy in he is yep uh, that's the problem with Frankie. He carries himself like a made man, and he's not. Yeah. Uh, and then Rudy coming in to confront Frankie, like, this is bad news because it's, apparently money can't even fix it. Like, yeah. Frankie can't just break off 5Gs and give it to Rudy and Rudy be happy. Like, Rudy feels fucking disrespected in a way. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. If he finds out that Tommy's involved in this, then... 
well, of course, I don't know what he does because Tommy's Rudy's muscle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and they're all playing like, you know, uh, they're they're selling the people who are well-connected. This Pascali uh, is some kind of like nephew of a famous mom. I can't keep track of any of these families. No. I don't know. I've only seen The Godfather. I am so far away from a crime family. <laughs> it's, I mean, I got, I got closer ties to probably still running Operations Appalachia than anything that ever <laughs> happened in fucking uh, New Jersey. Uh-huh. But I've seen uh, Ozark. It's it's pretty yeah. fucked up in the Ozarks. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, gangsters, gangster. But <laughs> I, I just this just feels like death coming to confront him, and yeah. that Frankie is kind of like mad about Rudy showing him up at the club. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus, that should have been a wake up call. Everything. I mean, there there are a hundred wake up calls in an episode with this guy, yeah. and he doesn't he doesn't realize it. And I every time Rudy steps into the scene. And talks to Frankie. I don't know whether Rudy is there to uh, to write him off, or, or like I said, to send him off. Like Rudy throws that money in his face. What does that mean? Does that mean you're done? I'm killing you as soon as like right? I can make it look plausible that you would die, yeah. and I wouldn't be strung up for it. Or like, does that mean I'm just done with you? Do your own thing. Get fucked as as bad as you're going to get fucked. I'm not stepping in to help anything here. I mean, maybe that's it. He's he's uh, because you know with the uh, the new crews moving in, it could be that the old boss is much worse than the new boss, and you know Rudy could offer some protection. I but like I said, I but when I, he fi- I don't know. like you said when Tommy when the Tommy jig is up, yeah, when Rudy finds out about like that, if your whole crew is already working I, for some other people and behind your back. To- Tommy might be done. Yeah. It'll be. It's going to be curious. It's going to be. It, I'm very curious to see how they they wind us up. Um, let's talk about Eileen. Uh, man, Eileen's mom is in real bad shape. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what's wrong with her. Like I'm suspecting everyone is dying is currently dying of AIDS. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, Todd's dying of AIDS. Shay's dying of AIDS. Eileen's mom's dying of AIDS. Um, probably a lot of people that look healthy are dying of AIDS, um, but they're still being coy about it. So mm-hmm. she's just she's just sick, and everybody's worried about Adam. Adam, who's recently surfaced to try to get eight hundred dollars out of Eileen's father. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that. So here's the difference between like Eileen and uh, uh, Melissa's dad is that I feel like Eileen's got a pretty accurate understanding of what she did to fuck up her son yeah and how like she didn't go out to do it but like it's a natural occurrence of like her rejecting societal norms mm-hmm. while still having a young boy who's growing up in a society right um but i feel like there's got to be a happy medium between eileen like eh, when he wants to talk he can come talk and this guy standing and giving three-hour sermons about the family on the front door like mm-hmm. eileen is not doing any kind of overture to her son and this guy's doing like do you, do you feel me on that or do you think that eileen has just got is, is she she's right on at what she's saying here uh i don't know that i'm totally sure on that i think if I were Eileen in this situation, I would be like, well, okay, he, he can have the $800, but he's going to have to come get it. He's going to mm-hmm. have to to come interact with me. Mm-hmm. And at that point, when he is, you know, going, when he is coming to me, that's when I'll, you know, talk to him about whatever. I'm not going to go to him and force myself into his life mm-hmm. um, and, and like, 
you know, Dave Morse does in this episode. Right. So I think like, that's what I would do. I don't know what Eileen's going to eventually do, but yeah, she does seem a little laissez-faire about her child yeah. wanting money and then not being in her life. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Of course, I don't know. Maybe there's, there has been multiple like, Hey, I'm here if you need me or you know where I'm at or, uh, but I felt like I wish there was a little bit, just a little bit of that. Um, but I really liked her point where she says, I'm not proud of everything I've done in my life, but I'm proud of how I've gone through it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great statement on her uh, on her behalf, and uh, I I really like that. Um, what do you think happened with her and Hank when they were strolling the Deuce? Like, was that like the Deuce test? Like, how's he going to react <laughs> yeah. when this old pimp gives me the candy? How's he going to react when some one armed dude asks for a smoke? Uh, I think so. It's it's one thing to hear, like. Hey, I used to be a prostitute. Mm-hmm. I think it's another thing to realize everything that that that, that meant, right, in her life. And mm-hmm. she's kind of taking him through a tour of her life, just seeing like how non-judgmental, how yeah. cool are you? Yeah, I mean, does he actually understand me? Uh-huh. You know, or does he just hear a couple of words that to him have some fantasy meaning? when the reality is very much different. Why is he so comfortable in this world? Are they ever going to explain <laughs> how know, this man. dude with this much money and this much class uh, and th- these many no idea. well-bred connections? Are we going to find out that he's essentially like, uh, what's Bobby's boy? Uh, Joey. Is he, is he going to like a Joey type? He came up the Joey way? Maybe. He Maybe. was uh, st- stocking the Coke machine of a brothel uh-huh. in and then New he Jersey. Bought his, he bought he, his bed. Sa- sa- <laughs> sa- saved up, saved up a hundred grand for his uh, to rent the chair. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which I yeah I I don't know how that scam exactly works. Still don't after this episode. But I I I, I don't know what his deal is, and I'm I'm curious to find out. Well, I really love the the last scene. I think with them in this episode where he offers her the money for her movie and she turns it down because it would fundamentally alter their relationship. She would essentially be his whore. Yeah. And that's a life she's escaped. She's not willing to go back no matter no matter what he gets her, no matter how fast she can track her career. It's a nice contrast between her blowing the guy for 10 grand last episode uh, yeah, or yeah. last season and knowing like everything against her like screamed out that this was a bad idea and it's not the way and now she's you know the wisdom of five more years of doing this she's mm-hmm. now like you got to choose if you want to be my man then you can't be my pimp mm-hmm. and I'm not going to have a pimp I never did Yeah uh I thought it was uh it was it was great, and I hope I, I I do you think that Hank got the message like don't ever offer money again? I think so. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be very tempting to him because for for him it's just money. Like it's right. it's like you saying you can't afford. It's like if you as my friend saying you're going hungry tonight, I'm like here. Well, here's twenty bucks for pizza, man. Like <laughs> fuck you, man. It's like <laughs> you're whore. <laughs> it's like I just it's just twenty bucks, man. It's just twenty bucks. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, you say that, but then every time you scream next after I get done fucking you, it makes me, <laughs> makes me feel this small, Jim. I thought that was hilarious. It doesn't make you feel small when I throw the money in your face. <laughs> <laughs> I love the her say, say it next after. I guess that's the it, first time they've had so sex. So good. Is mm. it? Hmm. You know, I hadn't thought about it, but you're Because the way she said, right. the way she kind of looked at him like, you finally passed the, the test, let's go. But there was that comment at the dinner about, like, I'm only worried about what it's going to be like tonight. Here, drink some more wine. That kind of implied that they were going to bang that night. I, that he was, like, getting her drunk to go. But I don't know. 
I mean, the the next joke's only funny in like light of the first time it happened, or maybe it's yeah, a, yeah. The, the, is the idea that they were walking the strip together and then they went back to this. Okay, were they had a hotel or was that one of their houses? I don't know. It looked like a hotel to me. That's why I thought it's like but maybe it it's a, a joke of like, hey, we just, you just pick, it's it's kind of like that. Yeah, but I don't know. It felt like a first time to me, but I hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if I was wrong. Uh, do you want to talk about Bobby's boy Joey? I guess so. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I thought it was interesting Bobby complaining about spending money because his business is rapidly expanding and he's making all of this like yeah I'll never understand a person that you tell them okay here's a thousand dollars you can make um, but you're gonna have to spend a hundred dollars to make it and they're like oh fuck I gotta spend a hundred like Bobby is I mean he's a complete fucking idiot yeah uh, if it wasn't for him being like related to Vincent when he slipped his disc 15 years ago he'd probably been you know, homeless on the streets. Mm-hmm. So I guess it checks out. The, the 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 real part of the plot that I thought was interesting is it seemed to me obvious that Bobby doesn't want Joey to exceed him. Yes. I mean, the, Bobby has a mentality that like, I, I don't know. He thinks nothing of Joey, right? Yeah. Like he doesn't, he doesn't think this kid's worth anything. Cause he doesn't, so think when he, he, he doesn't think he's worth anything. Either. Exactly. Like this this yeah. all is cyclical. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that, Sort of like blue collar East Coast working mentality. Yeah, like that's all we're they can cast, ever be. Low class trash. We're gonna, and, we're gonna and die like, low class trash. And, and like a, a sort of like, what you think you're too good for this family? Like right. you, you think you're too good for for where you came from because right. you're trying to move up in the world? Right. Like it's a weird form of of holding people back. And his and dad like, would probably say the same fucking thing about him. You know, going blue and working a whorehouse. Like, oh, what, uh, uh, yeah. you know, the doc works too good for you, you know? And like, right. and he'd be like, hey, I'm just trying to make money, you know? And it's like, oh, that, that those those lousy doc workers paid for the house. I mean, it's it's the exact same shit. It's learned behavior. It's Yeah. Um, and I don't know that he's entirely wrong about his judgment of these Wall Street guys. Like, is this broker actually just using him for the, the hookers and the coke? Right. Uh, or, or when it comes his time, is it going to be like Mike and he's going to get a shot? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fine line between a parent trying to give some wisdom of of their life because, like, you know, uh, there's mm-hmm. so many fucking scams, and like, I feel like between the age of like 16 and 28, I ran into every one of them. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, a lot. My dad wised me up to to a lot of them before I got into it. And there's a there's a fine line between like, hey, have you really thought through everything and I don't understand this, and it's, it seems like it's like you're 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 putting on airs because you got this fancy suit and you're not talking, you know, like uh, like like a deucey. What the hell is it? what's what's what do they call the people that hang out the deuce? A deucey. You're putting on airs. You're not talking like a deucey no more. <laughs> what's this? Uh, what what's this way you're? What's the funny way you're talking, Joey? Uh, I I don't know. Uh, but you know what I mean. Like it's oh, this. Yeah, yeah it's uh, trying to hold them back. Yeah, and then you know there, there's the whole thing with the 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 girls who he's bringing into these parties and them not getting paid and like nothing's good there. It's all that that theme that I was talking about earlier. Yeah, I thought I thought Black Frankie's going to stand up for the girls, but it turns out like uh, all he had to do is mention that they they might get tips. Um, so yeah, I don't know that Black Frankie is totally uh, satisfied by that answer, but yeah. he is. He knows that he doesn't want to make a stink about it here and now. Yeah, and also, um, I don't know, because Bobby seems like another one of those guys that, like, 
he's middle management, but nobody respects him. Uh-huh. And like when Frankie's trying to tell him about, hey, you know, you might need this more payers, more drivers. Might spend, and, and Bobby's just, I ain't doing this, I ain't doing that. And he's like, I'm not going to take advice from someone who lives out of his van. And Black Frankie's like, I've got a, I've got a home. And Bobby's like, well, why didn't, why, why, I've never seen it. And like, he cocks his eyebrow and gives this, like, this perfect, like, oh, indeed, a kind of look. Like, hmm, boss, I wonder, wonder why, why I don't have you over for dinner. Uh-huh. Uh, you fucking piece of shit. But I, I, like I said, I was, I was hoping that Black Frankie would, would stay strong, but it seems like, nah. And this mm-hmm. is all, again, wrapped up with, uh, uh, you know, it's like this whole rent-seeking behavior. The fact that you want to extract value without adding value to something um, yeah. is all throughout this episode. But you see it really crassly in a guy like Bobby, who's just want, he's like, oh, I, you know, I can make $1,000 if I pay someone to drive over a bridge. Well, I'm going to pay gas. Mm. Fuck you, Bobby. <laughs> Uh, anything else we want to talk about this episode? No, I think we're good. We have a little bit of feedback. Uh, TV at baldmove.com is how you want to send that in, or you can discuss uh, with your fellow friends, fans, friends on forums, forums, forums.baldmove.com. Uh, Vicky Ann writes us, Mafia and HIV, a weird combination, I know. Hmm. I am Italian and grew up in New York during the 80s with the Teflon done and mob hits being in the news. I've all, also known a few people who are connected, so the five families have always been kind of a weird fascination of mine. Jim, do you know people that know people? You're, uh, Ita- you're Italian with New York ties. You know, it's hard to say. Yeah? It's hard to say. <laughs> and, and in fact, it's... Who knows? It might be dangerous to say. That's right. Let's just let's just let's just move on. Let's keep a low pro- profile. Yeah. Uh, what was that word that he that uh, Joey used that, that threw Bobby? He's being discreet. Oh, so let's yeah. be discreet on this podcast. I know what that means. Uh, anyway, uh, she Nick, Vicky continues. I'm pretty sure Rudy is a member of the Gambino crime family, like Gotti, but came up under uh, Paul Castellano. Yes. I remember this guy's house in Staten Island. I had family there, and everybody knew where it was and who it belonged to. That's so, a problem, right? If you're a gangster, yeah. If you're if you're high up in the mob and everybody knows where you live, right? And you got the marble statues and you're banging the maids three at a time. And yeah, th- I mean, this is a Scarface thing, you got right? Fat and lazy, sure. Yeah, sure. you're showing off too much. Yep. I mean, that's this. You, 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 there's there's old gangsters and there's bold gangsters, but not a lot of bold <laughs> old gangsters around. Uh-huh. Uh huh. On to the HIV plot. As your resident epidemi- epidemiologist, I'm loving this season. The details amazing. For example, still referring to HIV as HTLV. Uh, parenthetically, she says there was some issue with the French about discovering and naming. Interesting. Hmm. The French. The French they wanted, wanted to, to call FTL. it happy happy time love virus. <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't fly in America. It's just that's HIV with an outrageous French accent. <laughs> right. it's, it's got it's got the T and the L in there, um, and the fact that they were still using CD4 counts for diagnosis since the antibody test didn't come out until March of '85. This is hmm. going to be important for our characters because in December and January, presumably where we're at in the plot, people can't be quote unquote diagnosed until they have CDC counts. Sorry, CD4 counts below 200. This level of immune suppression is where the worst of the opportunistic infections show up. Your toxoplasmosis, pneumatic or uh, nemocystis carni pneumonia, cancers, <laughs> cytomegalovirus, holy shit, thrush, <laughs> diarrhea, Kaposi, sarcoma. Um, this test, uh, as you can see, isn't all that helpful. By this time, people were usually showing symptoms. It is more a confirmation than had diagnostic value. Hmm. This is what the doctor was probably fumbling around uh, over that scene with Bobby. 
pre-March 85, there were people walking around perfectly helpful, healthy, blissfully unaware that they were dead people walking and spreading a deadly virus. As a public health person, the scene made me want to punch Bobby in the face. Condoms, <laughs> asshole, use them. So I did not know that. So I thought that that count kind of like put him in the clear. But it's now clear to me that um, people like Paul, who appear to be healthy, especially people like Bobby, are engaging in these super high-risk behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, because it also is true that like uh, het- heterosexual men had a very lower chance of transmission just by, the, by yeah. virtue of how the disease is transmitted and et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know, lots, lots of better people than Bobby that uh, didn't make it out. So, yeah. Uh, so thanks for that note, Vicky. Appreciated that. If you'd like to send in feedback for our deuce coverage, you can do so at TV at baldmove.com. Again, the forums are there for you too. forums.baldmove.com. You can follow us at all the social medias at baldmove. That's it this week. We'll be back to break down the deuce next Wednesday. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.